0: How many of you here today are a mother? Awesome! Let's give them another grand applause for all the moms. Okay? And uh, I have a little uh, a little lesson here. So if if you guys who are standing, there are seats around. Ushers can help you if you'd like. Um, but you know we've uh, been doing a series for the last oh, uh, three, four weeks, and it's called, What on Earth Am I Here For? It's a question that we have all had at some point in our life, and I venture to say we continue to to ask that kind of a question, Well, what on earth am I here for? So we've been doing a series, and then we've encouraged everybody in the church to get in a life group, which meets sometime during the week, and they'll have refreshments or dinner together, and they'll have a little video to watch about, hey, what on earth am I here for? They'll discuss the questions that are there. And it's just been awesome. Uh, a lot of our our uh, life group, uh, new life group attenders have uh, been asking and said, you know what, once this six or seven weeks is over, can we continue to meet? And uh, uh, I don't know if we're going to let you all do that or not. But uh, yes, of course you can if you can uh, would like to do so. But anyhow... Uh, This is not our traditional Mother's Day. Last night, a brother said, you know what? Out of the 35 years you've been teaching, this is the first non-traditional Mother's Day lesson you've taught. But we're in a series about what on earth am I here for? And we we saw uh, uh, the last testimony where our sister, you know, was sharing about her son praying. And, And you know where he got that idea from, right? You know, since we've been here, even when we hear emergency vehicles go by on a Sunday morning, we always stop and pray. And ask God's blessings on those who are in need. Might be somebody we know, and God's blessings upon those who are responding, and they would bring them all to Him. You know, so it's it's interesting to see how our lives, especially you moms, are influencing and affecting your children in a, a, a really a dynamic way. So I'd like to continue along this theme. Um, let's see, this is our fourth week. The first week we were talking about our calling, and and the word calling is the same as our purpose, you know. But God has created and he's called us. The Bible says even before he created the earth, that we were in his heart and his mind. And God created us to love us. Now we think, oh, well, he created us so we could love him and serve him. No, the Bible says that God created us so he could love us. Then last week we learned that God has created us to belong. To belong to his family, which is the church, wherever it might be in the world. But God created us to belong. And what I want to talk about today is that God has created us to become. To become, you know, what is in his heart and what is his passion. And we're going to talk about that in a few moments. Uh, But he has created us for a purpose. To be loved, to belong and to become, and these are like building blocks that are one upon the other. But now, how many of you think about this for a moment? When you were young, that you you thought you know uh, one day I'll become become a fireman, a policeman, an astronaut, a nurse, a Barbie, you know, a ballerina, an actress, a singer, you know, a model. You know, I mean, how many of you had some ideas of what you might become when you got older? Now think about this: how many? did not become what you thought you was going to become. Don't be bashful here, you know. The rest of you guys, you became what you thought you was going to become when you was eight years old. Okay, it's pretty cool. I never, ever, 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 ever thought of becoming a pastor, just to be honest with you. It never was in any part of my mind at all. But see, you and I were called and created to be loved, to belong, and to become. And it's only by being loved by God, it's only by belonging to his family, you know, are we able to become what he has destined and called us to be. So I'd like us to look at my favorite verse in the Bible. And many of you know what that is? Romans 8, 28. 28. Okay. And it's good to read out different translations from time to time, uh, just to get a kind of new perspective on it. But listen to what it says in Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know... That God causes <clears throat> is that word? Everything. everything, and we know that God causes everything to work together for uh, the good of those who love God. Now he did not say here that everything that happens is good. He didn't say that. that's not it at all. He, he didn't say it's all good, but he says it all works together for good. And we know that God calls us everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Called according to His purpose. And we know we've been called to be loved. God has called us and created us so He can love us. And He's called us and He's created us to belong to His family. And He's called us and He's created us to become. To become what? You say, you're talking about be- become what? Well, we're going to look at that in this next verse, Romans 8, 29. And it says, for God knew his people, that's his family, in advance. But before the world was created, you was in his heart and his mind, and he knew everything about you. And it says, for God knew his people in advance. You know, I mean, you were God's idea. You were not an accident. I don't care who says that you were. It does not matter. You're not an accident. But you, he says right here, you were part of God's plan. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them, talking about you and me, and read those next words with me, to become like his son. God chose us to become, to become like his son, Jesus. That's God's purpose and His plan for your life and for my life is that we become like His Son. And that's our third calling in life is to become like Christ. For each and every one of us, that's what God wants from us all. He wants us to be godly, He wants us to be God like, He wants us to be Christ like. And that's the definition of Christian Christ like. This is God's purpose. And his plan. Now we've this is the third uh, you know thing we've talked about that God created us for. As we're discovering, what on earth am I here for? We got two more topics to cover, you know, in the next couple of weeks. But God wants us to be like His Son Jesus. He wants you to have the characteristics of His family. That's what God wants, you know, like Father, like Son, like like Father, like like daughter. And the Bible says that God is loving. God is joyful, God is peaceful, God is patient, He's kind, He's self control The Bible tells us that God is merciful, and these are all found in the book of Galatians, you know, that is referred to as the fruit of the Spirit, which is a perfect picture of who Christ is. And God, he, He's called us to become like His Son, Jesus. Now, the Bible compares, you know, becoming like Jesus to running in a race, Becoming like Jesus is like running in a race. And it, it, it's more of a marathon, if you would. It's not a 50-yard dash. It's more of a marathon to maturity. So the goal is to become the man God wants you to be. The goal is to become the woman that God wants you to be. And, and the Bible talks about walking the Christian walk. And it talks about running the race and finishing the course. The Bible talks about all of that. But God does not want you to stay the same. He does not want you to be in spiritual diapers for your entire life, you know. He doesn't want that. He wants you to change. He wants you to grow. He wants you to mature, and He wants you to grow up. So there are several steps to running the race of life that I want to talk about. And and the first one is we must simplify our lives. Simplify our lives. I mean, that really appeals to me. But we're talking about... to. To clean out and, and discard everything that's holding us back, you know, from becoming the person that God wants us to be, if there's something cluttered up in our life that's holding us back, God wants us to simplify. Clean it out, you know. We, we've got to clean out the clutter from, from our. Does your mind ever get cluttered? Hey, Some' <laughs> going, Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Does our mind ever get cluttered? But we want to clean out the clutter of our mind, of our, of our schedule. We want to clean the clutter out of our relationships and get rid of any unnecessary baggage, you know. Uh, actually, with our drum, I forgot my stuff back here. Hang on. I'll be right back. This is my parka, you know. I mean, boy, you can wear this thing in the wintertime. You're out in the woods, 20 below, and you'll be nice and toasty. Waterproof, you know. I mean, it's a, it's a great parka. Really it feels like it weighs about 20 pounds, though, you know. Anyhow, as we're talking about cleaning out the clutter and, and not carrying unnecessary baggage, how many of you have ever been in a race? a marathon of some kind. Are, are you going to wear a parka like this when you're running a race in the middle of July? You know, I mean, this thing is heavy. This thing will weigh you down, you know. And, and, and we don't want to do that. We don't want to run a marathon. And, and uh, you know, in the wintertime, we run when you're outside to dress in all these different layers, but you're not wearing all those layers when you're running in a, a marathon. Marathon runners, they they strip down, you know, to the very essentials. I'm talking about wearing just a thin T-shirt, pair of shorts, you know, the lightest weight, good quality running shoes that they can find, you know. We don't want to be carrying a lot of extra weight, a lot of extra baggage through life, you know. Distractions, all these things that are distracting and diverting us and detours and dead ends and, and time wasters. We need to get rid of this clutter, simplify our lives. And, and this is what Hebrews chapter 12 is talking about. It says, let us strip off every weight. Uh, so i the bulky, the heavy stuff. But now, let me just uh, kind of go, uh, load up my pockets here for a second. You're actually not seeing me do this, you know. okay now i'm ready to run the race oh, oh man it says here in hebrews 12:1 it says let us strip off what's the next word every weight okay we, we stripped off the parka all right but is there every do we ever carry other stuff than just what we're wearing you know i mean how many of you here have ever had heavy pockets? If I asked you to dump everything out, you got in your pockets right now, well, I mean, we'd probably have, whoo, a big table full of stuff, right? Now, what about when I ask the ladies to dump out their pocketbooks? Are they ever heavy? Yeah, it's considered a deadly weapon. You know, it's just like, boom, you know? The Bible tells us to strip off every weight. So the heavy stuff... And sometimes we have heavy, heavy, uh, you know, I should get rid of this weight stuff. So. Sometimes we have heavy hearts and, and a heaviness in our, in our minds. And the Bible tells us to strip off every, every weight, you know? Strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. My question to you this morning is, it's what's tripping you up. What's tangling you up as you're trying to run the race of life... ...and become like Christ? Can you put your finger on what constantly trips you up? I think a lot of us actually can. And the Bible says, let's strip off every weight. You know, strip it off. These things that are tripping us up... ...it says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down... ...especially the sin that so easily trips us up... ...and let us run with endurance. Some talking about patience... The race that God has set before us. Not a race that someone else has set before us, but, but the race, you know, that, that God has chosen for you and I to run. Let's run the race that God's chosen. Because, see, everybody, if the truth was to be made known, wants you to run their race. Now, I understand this. I am a husband and I am a dad, you know. But everybody wants you to run their race. You know, moms and dads. Husbands, wives, boss, a friend, they often want you to run their race. And they mean well, but you've got to decide. Whose race are you going to run in life? Are you going to run your own race? Are you going to run somebody else's race? Or are you going to run the race that God created for you, customized for you to run? You can't run all three, you see. You really can't. The wisest move for us is to say to God that I'm going to strip off everything, you know? The sin that keeps messing me up and tangling me up. I'm going to get all this junk out of my life, you know, the hurts and the the habits and all the hang-ups. Every weight that's holding me back, I'm going to strip all that stuff off, you know? And I'm going to run the race that God, that you have called me to run. Because see, the truth of it is, we cannot please everybody and please God at the same time. So we need to say to God, "Well, what on earth am I here for?" And then let's figure out what we are here for. Why did God put us here? Well, number one, He put us here so He could love us. He put us here so we could belong to His family, and He's put us here so we can become like His Son. That's, that's three things that we've talked about so far. You know, I'm, I'm willing to just like let go of my sin. To let go of that bulky weight that's that's hindering me, you know? I'm willing to let go of everybody else's expectations. Do you know what I'm talking about? Other people expect you to do this, or you to do this, you to do this, you to do this. But it's like, what does God expect me to do? So remember the first step to running the race is simplify your life. Second step is don't get impatient or in a hurry. See, the, the 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 race is going to take you your entire life. So don't get in a hurry about this thing, you know. It's not going to take a week or a month or a year, but this is a lifetime plan. This is a marathon, see, not a 50-yard dash. And, and one thing I've learned about guys, uh, a fellow sent me an uh, awesome uh, email this past week and telling me about a race that he was in, and I could see every... Every, every movement that they were making there. But they, the people who win or are in the high finishing line, they've learned to pace themselves. They don't When the whistle goes off, they don't just run with everything they've got. They pace themselves, see? And that's what we've got to do. When you first become a Christian, you start growing really fast. And you think about this for a moment, like the babies do in, in their early months, you know? And the first year, a baby doubles its size in the first year. Aren't you glad we don't keep doubling our size every year after that? <laughs> you know? We want to grow spiritually, but slow growth is, is the best kind of growth. You know? God's not in a hurry. You and I very well may be in a hurry, you know, to, to become. But God's not in a, a hurry. It's just like, you know, when, when God uh, wants to make a mushroom. Did you know a mushroom... Can, from start to finish, it can take six hours. I don't know if you ever see some little misty rain. You look out the next one. It's like where all those mushrooms come from. You know, a mushroom can grow in six hours, but to create that majestic oak tree, a mature oak tree, sixty years. Think about this for a moment. You know, what do you want to be like? That that six-hour mushroom just a whoo here and, and then gone. Or would you rather be more like that majestic oak, deeply rooted and, and strong? Now, I can show you how to become a man of God, and, and I can teach you ladies how to become, based on what the Bible says, how to become a woman of God, but I can't teach you how to do it quickly. It takes patience, you see, and, and it's going to take a lifetime. So, you know, I wasn't really all that good when I was in school at spelling and stuff like that, so I need you to help me Spell the word maturity. Can anybody help me spell that word? Y'all didn't do too good to spelling either, did you? <laughs> uh, let me make a shot at it. The way you spell maturity, it starts with a T I M E. It takes time to bring about maturity physically and spiritually. It takes time. Champions, those who win, learn to pace themselves. They're not in a hurry, you see. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Let us strip off every weight, you know? Okay, there's more. Strip off every weight that slows us down, especially this thing that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance. So my patience, the race that God has set before us. You remember every week I give you a little connections card? As you're, you're leafing, and uh, it, it's just a little, it's just a little step. And I, I only ask you to do it for a week. Whatever it says on that little connections card every week, and, and those are just little baby steps. But in a year's time, 52 weeks out of the year, 52 little connections cards. If you choose to check it off and go, yeah, I'm going to try this for a week. You know, that brings about maturity. All these little steps bring about maturity. Isaiah chapter 28 verse 10 says. He tells us everything over and over. God does. He tells us everything over and over, one line at a time, one line at a time, a little here and a little there. King James Bible says, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. It's a process. God is not in a hurry for you to become like his son. He's not in a hurry for you to be mature, but he wants you to keep growing. It's what he wants. Here's another step to running the race of life. Spend time focusing on Jesus every day. Spend some time, you know, because whoever you spend time with is who you're going to become, become that word, become like. Whoever you spend time with is who you're going to become like. You hang out with people who have no ambition, you know, and you'll become like them and you'll have no ambition. You hang out with people Who are critical, and you'll become become like them, and you'll become critical, you know. Now, if you spend and and, and this is not an obsessive amount, I'm talking about how much time you need to spend with God. And you're thinking, oh man, he's gonna say 12, 14 hours a day. I gotta spend No, no, no. I'm talking about spending time with Jesus. I'm talking about five minutes, ten minutes, maybe fifteen minutes a day to start. That's not that's not undoable, is it? You know? And then you'll become more and more like him. I'm talking about a quiet time. You've heard the term quiet time? That's where you'll read the Bible for, let's just say, about five minutes, and, and then you'll talk to God about stuff. You got any stuff to talk to God about, you know? Stuff that's in your heart, you know? I mean, like, God, here's the stuff I'm, I'm concerned about today. Lord, this, here's some stuff that's really stressing me out, Lord. Here's some stuff I'm worried about. Lord, I need your help. I'm, I'm talking about just a, a, a minute or two and you could go, hey, God, here's my schedule. Would you help me kind of plan it out, you know? And 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 then live up to what it's called, quiet time. Oh, but before you get quiet, ask God this question. Say, God, is there anything you want to say to me? Think about that for, for a moment. Wouldn't it be a surprise if, if in your 5 to 10, 15 minutes, when you pray a little bit, you know, you read a, a proverb or something, and you... You pray and you tell God what's bothering you. And you said, God, is there anything you want to say? Would it be a shock to you if, if God spoke to you? Give it a try. Ask God, Lord, is there anything you want to say to me? Remember, it's so important to keep our focus on Jesus every day. Well, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12. Looking in verse 1 again, it says, And let us strip off every weight.' You know, if you keep digging deep, you'll find something else, you know, that's still weighing me down. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance. That's patience, the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes, where? On Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. The King James Bible says, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, we're talking about a a quiet time. If you're going to have a quiet time with God every day, it needs to be a special place. If you want it to be successful, it needs to be a special place where you can meet with God every day. And I'm only talking about 5, 10, 15 minutes, you know, of just being quiet, you know, thinking and and meditating and looking to God's Word, praying a little bit. And it can be, if you go to your living room before everybody else gets up, it can be a recliner. It's okay. It can be a recliner in the living room. It can be a sofa. And I'm going to tell you something shocking. I know you don't think you can do this in a a quiet time with God, but it's okay to have a cup of coffee. God don't mind. Really. So in your little quiet time with God, it's okay if you have a cup of coffee, sit back, kind of get comfortable there. And some of you who are kind of more like me, a little bit more outdoorsy oriented, you might want to go out, sit in a chair outside. You know, on a rock or a stump or something, and hear the birds and see the squirrels out there. And that's okay, but, but there's one thing you have to, to remember when you have this quiet time, get somewhere special alone where you can pray out loud. It's really important to pray out loud. And if you know other people are right listening, you will not pray out loud because you don't want them to know what you're saying, right? I don't want you to know what I'm saying when I'm out having time with God just with me. But it's very important when you pray to God Early in the morning, you have a quiet time. Do not close your eyes because you'll fall asleep. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> keep your eyes open when you pray. And if you pray while you're driving, please keep your eyes open there as well. It's really important, okay? So having a quiet time it needs to be a special place that you can go every day and just have for a little time in your private where you can just, you know, you, can pray out. you don't have to shout it, but you can pray out loud. And that's so much more meaningful and you won't get distracted as much. In the book of luke chapter 22 listen what it says verse 39 it says they then accompanied by the disciples jesus he left the upstairs room and he went as usual i mean this was his custom he went as usual to the mount of olives he had a custom going out there to the olive grove and praying every day verse 40 it says there he told them pray that you will not give in to temptation he was telling the disciples what to pray about pray that you'll not give in to temptation and he walked away about a stone's throw. Now, I'm wondering how far I can throw a stone. You know what? Jim, I can take you out up here right now. I'm sure of that, you know. I need to open. A, uh, there's two gyms. I've, I got two rocks here, okay. But I could probably throw this and hit Dunkin' Donut from here if the window was open, you know. I really think I could. But anyhow, the main thing is, is to know it's not like right there beside you You know, he says a stone's throw, not a stone's drop. So Jesus said here in uh, verse 40, he told them, pray that you'll not give in to temptation. And then Jesus, he walked away about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed. So they couldn't hear what he was praying. And as a good example for you and I to follow is to have a place where we can pray out loud and not be inhibited because somebody else may be listening to our prayers. And the more time you spend with God in his word, the more you're going to become like Jesus. That's just the truth of it. Now, in the Bible, it tells us that Moses, he spent time with God up on a mountain. And when he came back down, the Bible says he actually glowed. He had to put a veil on. He actually had to put a veil on. And I don't know if you understand this, but when you spend time with God, it affects your countenance. And we don't have time to go into all the scientifical aspect of it, but I begin to read it scientifically, and it is a proven fact, and it explains all the, the, the chemistry of your body, how it affects, spending time with God, affects you, and it does change your countenance. It's kind of amazing. But listen to what he says here in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. It says, We Christians have no veil over our faces, and this all has to do with our faith. That, that There's nothing blocking us coming between us and God anymore like it was in those days, and we can go straight to God. It says, but we Christians have no veil over our faces. We can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we, what's that word? We become more and more like Him. Hmm. As we spend time with Jesus... We become more and more like him. We become like a mirror. We we reflect him to those who are in our sphere of influence. But th- this whole process—it's it, a—it's a step at a time, though. See, this is a—it's a daily deal. It don't happen instantaneously. You know, becoming implies it doesn't happen instantly. Now, how many of y'all are familiar with instant potatoes? It ain't like that at all. How many familiar with instant coffee? it's not like that at all it really isn't there is no instant spiritual maturity it's a step and a step and a step and a step and you know getting rid of a little weight over here and getting rid of a little bit of weight over there it's a process and it'll take our entire life well there's another step to running the race of life when life gets hard remember the reward don't forget the reward if you forget the reward it'll get really difficult but when life gets hard, remember the reward, because problems are part of the becoming process. Oh, problems are part of that becoming process. You know, uh, when difficulties come, and, and, and difficulties come to all of us, do they not? Remember Romans 8, 28, and it says, and we know that God, God causes everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, God causes everything to work together for the good. Of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And his purpose is to love us. His purpose is that we belong to his family. And his purpose is that we become like his son Jesus. So instead of saying, why? You ever said that to God? Well, why? Why, Lord? We should be saying, what, Lord? What, Lord, do you want me to learn from this situation? Because we're given opportunities over and over again to become like his son. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, says, After you suffer for a thousand years, is that what it says? I'm sorry? Oh, here, I found my place. Yeah. After you suffer for a short time, God who gives all grace will make everything right. That's a pretty good reward. When everything is made right, Okay, we got to suffer for what? A short time. But see, when we go through something difficult, we think it's going to be forever. And we we get discouraged, and discouragement is a choice. But he says that after you suffer for a short time, God, who gives all grace, will make everything right. He will make you strong and support you and keep you from falling. Romans 8, 17 says, Since we are his children, we will share his treasures for everything god gives to his son christ is ours too now god said that this is his word he's telling us all that he's given to his son jesus he gives to us too is ours too but if we're to share his glory we must also share his suffering now jesus suffered the cross do you understand what the cross was for the bible tells us is take up your cross and follow me And all that means is when you take up your cross, all that means is you're willing to deny yourself. That's what it means. Take up your cross means you're going to deny yourself what you want in life and do what God wants in life. Okay, another step to running the race of life is to gather a team to run with. There's an old African proverb that says to run fast, run by yourself, but to run far, run with other people. Can you picture that? They motivate you and they inspire. You can run a lot further when you're running with a group of people than you can if you're running alone. You can run fast by yourself, but not far. Hebrews chapter 10, 24 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another. Now, I like the way the King James Bible says it here. It says, let us provoke one another. I mean, don't you just like? Uh, this is a verse I can really get my teeth into man yeah let's provoke some but it didn't say provoke them to anger it says let us consider one another to provoke and to love and this version says let us think of ways to motivate or to provoke one another to acts of love and good works. it's talking about a team you see here and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another especially now that you see the day of his return is drawing near. See, God never intended for us to do life alone. He really didn't. He intended us to run together. There's another step to running the race of life is to remember that God is cheering you on at every stage. And I must emphasize this every stage. You know, don't think that God only smiles at you when you cross the finish line. That's not true. Don't think God only smiles at you when you reach maturity or when you do everything right. Nobody shames a baby, you know, when you think about this because a baby don't know how to read. The stage it's in in his life, you really can't expect it to read at three years old. No one shames a 10-year-old because they don't know how to drive or balance a checkbook yet. See, and we're going through stages of our life and, and nobody knows what stage you're in. The Bible says comparing ourselves amongst ourselves is not wise that peer pressure deal i gotta be like him i gotta be like him. no you don't you just got to be like jesus you see i'm becoming more and more like jesus every day god is smiling at you and he's cheering you on at every stage of your life even if you've not reached the stage that someone else you know has he tells us here in philippians three twelve. it says and and this is the the apostle paul who was awesome He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things. Do you hear what he said? He says, I've not arrived yet. I'm still becoming. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. I'm not saying that, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be, to become. Verse 13 says, i'm still not all i should be is anybody here all that you should be you're a wise group of people this morning (laughs) paul says i'm still not all i should be but i'm focusing all of my energies on this one thing i'm forgetting the past and that's good forget about all the dumb things that we have done in our past that's messed us up Paul says, I'm I'm still not all I should be, but I'm focused all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past, and I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. Looking forward to what lies ahead. Looking forward, but but, but not rushing it. You remember the song we listened to, like, slow down. Enjoy the moments as our kids are growing up. How many of you recognize that your kids grew up way too fast? You know, it's like, slow down. Let's don't get in a hurry about this. But then he's telling us his heart and his passion for God. Verse 14 says, I strain to reach the end of the race. You know, I got my chest out there. I'm trying to reach that finish line, you know. He says, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. See, I've not arrived, but I am still becoming. That's what Paul said. I've not arrived, but I'm still becoming more and more like christ okay there's another step to running the race of life and it's to take every step with purpose you know every step because we really don't want to waste any more of our time and energy i mean in the order i get the less energy i have i don't know if you know what i'm talking about anybody know what i'm talking about you put your hands back down some of you get you're just too tired to raise your hand i know i know i understand that you know I don't want to waste any more of my words, and I don't want to waste any more of my breath, you know. So take every step with purpose, because I don't know how many steps or how many more breaths I have. Only God knows that, you see. So to become the person that God wants you to be, we must do this, and this is really critical and important. We must be willing to deny ourselves, you know. We can't do everything... That everybody else does. And lots of things we want to do. is just because somebody else is doing it. But to, to become like Christ. Christ denied himself too often. For you and for me. And for us to reach our full potential. We must deny ourselves. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 9.25. It says. <clears throat> Most athletes. 50% I think. Oh it says all. All athletes practice strict self-control. An athlete gives up a lot to become a winner. They eat a certain way. They, they, they go to bed at a certain time. They don't do certain things. To, to, to really be a successful athlete, you deny yourself, don't you? If you want to win, if you want to reach, you know, your goal, or bring home the goal in the Olympics, you know. But he says all athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it. We practice strict self control and we deny ourselves for an eternal prize, for a reward, you see. Verse twenty six says, So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I've got purpose in every step. I don't want to waste a step or waste a breath anymore. I've got purpose in every step. And I'm not like a boxer who misses his punches. Some of a shadow boxer. You know, the guy comes out and he's like just punching at the air. Paul says When I throw a punch, a demon falls, you know. I'm not wasting my time anymore. He says, I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I'm not like a boxer who misses his punches, you know. Now, we do get tired in running this marathon. In Hebrews twelve twelve it says, lift up your tired hands. You lift them up to God. And the Bible says when you pray, you can lift your hands up to God. <clears throat> and he says here, lift up your hands then and strengthen your trembling knees. So when you feel like you just can't, go any further, when you feel like you're out of energy, I mean when you feel like you're out of gas you know, ask God ask God for more strength and you know what, he will absolutely give it to you when you're going through hell the pastor just said what I thought he said I said it, when you're going through hell think about this for a moment when you are going through hell what do you do? Keep going. Who wants to stop while you're in hell? Man, I'm going through hell. Well, keep going, man. Throw out some more weights. You know what I'm saying? All right, I'll get through here quicker. When you're going through hell, keep going. This is a race we're in. And it's not the speed, but it's the continuing. to keep moving forward. In in Hebrews 12, 13, it says, keep walking on straight paths. Straight paths, not crooked paths. See, straight paths are are less likely to to trip you up and to cause you to stumble. Straight paths. Those those shortcuts, the crooked paths, is where we're going to get in a heap of trouble, you know. It says, keep walking on straight paths so that your lame foot may not be disabled, but instead be healed. Now, we don't only at times have a lame Physical ailment, a lame foot, but we have emotional limps. Did you know that we have emotional limps and relational limps and spiritual limps and financial limps? You know what I'm talking about. And we just need to keep going. And he says he will heal us. He will restore us. Stay on the straight path. All right. So we're we're winding here to an end now. And um, you know the last step I want to talk to you about about running. The race of life is to realize what I don't finish, God will. Listen to what it says. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. It says, I am sure that God who began the good work within you. I'm sure that God who began the good work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished. On the day, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) when Christ Jesus comes back again. He's the author and the, um, finisher. <clears throat> the finisher. And what a day, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, when I look into his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand, And leads me to that promised land. What a day, glorious day, that will be. Oh, man, what a day it's going to be. And we're on this journey. And God says he'll continue the work that he's begun in in us until it is finally finished. Last scripture we're going to look at. 1 John 3, 2. And it says, dear friends... We are already God's children, and we can't even imagine what we shall be like when Christ returns. But we do know that when He comes, we will all, we will be what does that say? Like Him. For we will see Him as He really is. We're going to be like Him. Okay, all right. You might have had some struggles in this race of life. All right. You've had struggles. We have all had struggles. You know, you, you might have stumbled in in this race of life. We've all stumbled. You may have even been set on the, the side, you know, on the sidelines. We've all been set on the sidelines at times in our life. But you got to remember something. Your race is not over. Your race is over. Not over yet. I'm telling you the truth. You are loved by God. And and, and you belong to his family. And and, and his purpose and plan for your life is to become like his son, Jesus. That's what it's all about here, you know. And and he is bringing about a change in you, you know. And and it's never too late. And, And you are never too old, you know. And you're never too young, you know. Our race is not over. So my question to you is, are you ready to start running? Are you ready to continue the run, the marathon? Are, are you ready to, to to start running again, to put on those spiritual shoes? Are, are you ready to, wow, I got rid of all my weight. It's easier to run without the weight. It genuinely is. And... uh I just want you to join me right now as as we close. Just bow your heads with me. Father, I ask your blessings from these men and these women who are in the same race I'm in. And Lord, we are slowly becoming more and more like Christ. Help us to have a meaningful, quiet times when we can just be with you for a few moments and read a passage or two and we can talk to you out loud. And, Lord, where we can become more and more like you day by day by day. We thank you, Lord, that you are not upset with us, but you love us. And you've got awesome plans for our life. You're helping us to understand what on earth we are here for. Thank you, Father. As our heads are bowed, I would ask you to join me in just a simple prayer to reaffirm our faith in Christ. If you already know him, would you reaffirm your faith in an awesome Savior? If you don't know him, would you join us in this prayer and allow Christ to to come into your life today, maybe for the first time? Could we pray out loud together? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you love me. I believe you've got great plans for my life. I do believe the best is yet to come. Thank you for sending your son. I believe he died in my place to wash my sins away so I can have a relationship with you. Forgive me for all my sins. I know I've missed the mark, and I receive your mercy right now. I receive your grace. Help me, oh God, to share your goodness with others. And thank you for what you're doing in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, your little baby step that I give you every week for the last umpteen years, here's another little baby step. And it just simply says, and all I'm asking you to do is this for this week. If you like it, you can continue for the rest of your life. But It says, I will ask myself often, this week, WWJD. Does anybody know what that stands for? It's not, we want jelly donuts, okay? It's, what would Jesus do so I will ask myself often this week what would Jesus do and by God's enabling grace I will do like Jesus would do if you agree with that check it off drop it in the tithe box on your way out listen if if you are in a life group awesome awesome way to go if you're not in a life group it's not too late and we have this book It's called what on earth am I here for a devotion to read every day If you talk to the folks at the back, they'll get you one. And I'm telling everybody who picks up a book at this point, the books are free, okay? Everybody say that with me. The books are free. Okay, so if anybody don't know that, educate them, all right? And uh, we do uh, have a gift bag back there. If you prayed and welcomed Christ in your life today for the first time, we got a little gift bag back there, a Bible, a movie, some other little goodies to inspire you. There's a gift for all of our guests, a cool gift. You don't want to miss it. Just one of our ways of saying thank you for coming, and we hope you come back as we continue this lesson next week. If you need prayer, the altar is open. You know, there'll be some people here to pray with you. And don't forget, downstairs, we got cake and coffee and refreshments for everybody. God bless you. You are dismissed.